0: listening to closer a bible study meets podcast exploring god faith and all the stuff in between i'm your host billy draper hello and welcome back to closer which used to be the connected word so you probably noticed a few things different right there's a new intro a new name for the podcast still the same premise Um, I actually, as I was going through this exercise, um, I'm kind of one of these people who loves the creative process and didn't want the creative process, honestly, to get in the way of actually doing this. So I started with a connected word, and that was really the concept. Um, But as I started to explore this a little bit deeper and, 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 and really think about what's the premise, right? It's really to kind of draw closer knowledge, draw closer to God, draw closer to faith, um, draw closer to understanding. And I I, kind of like the name and it just happened to be available as well. So, um, the connected word is now closer, still your same host, still same premise. Um, and, and what I want to do now is just jump right into episode three. And this is fearing God. The title of this is fearing God. What does it mean to fear God? But before we kind of hop into this episode, I want you to do something. If you have your Bible handy, grab it, flip to the concordance, that alphabetical listing thing at the back, and then look for the word fear. Now, if you don't have a Bible, Google how many times um, fear is mentioned in the Bible. Just do one of those two things. All right. So depending on your concordance, and it likely doesn't give you the same results as Google, Not quite that advanced yet these days. Um, But the idea is, in your concordance, you probably see that there is a fair, that there are a fair amount of mentions of fear throughout the Bible. And in fact, it's mentioned more than 500 times. The word fear is mentioned more than 500 times in the Bible. And of course, there's a few flavors of fear, two of which I want to call out. The first are the do not be afraid mentions, which are said to be mentioned 365 times in the Bible, which kind of seems fitting, right? 365 days a year. Um, a constant reminder to not be afraid is probably a really good thing um, considering, right? All that we kind of as humans struggle through and think about and, and are kind of afraid of, right? Um, the second is really the focal point of this episode, and it's the fear of God, um, which is mostly mentioned in the Old Testament, no surprise there. And my concordance has fear mentioned in, the, in reference to God in the New Testament only three times. Um, and I think one of those is which uh, Jesus actually references that fear. That said, let's talk about the fear of the Lord, or fear of God. What do you think of, what comes to mind when you hear fear the Lord or fear God? Is it terror? Is it dread? Is it trepidation? Is it anger? When I hear the word fear God, and this, is, this has always been my thing, I've always thought of an angry God. And, it, it, and that makes total sense because that's the way right? the English language kind of defines fear. It, uh, if you go to look in the, you know, look at pseudonyms for the word fear, you'll see things like terror, dread, trepidation, anxiety, all those types of things, and it really kind of does invoke those feelings. And this interpretation really is in fear, uh, in in fear, in somewhat conflict of of the idea that God is love, right? We hear God is love, and then we hear fear God. Uh, those two things are very much in conflict. Now, to be fair, there's tough love, and and we can go down that path a little bit. And as a father, you know, I understand those moments when you have to love someone through tough love. Um, I'm not going to follow that fork in the road today um, because I really want to stick to this idea and, and, and decouple fear from love. And I want to talk about the fear of God versus God as love today. So I'm going to talk about the fear of God. It- One of the important things, right, about reading and truly understanding the Bible, anytime you pick it up, is to always, always remember that the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, sometimes referred to as Biblical Hebrew, Hebrew, and then that was first translated into Greek, and so forth and so on. And when you read any modern version of the Bible, which... This might be mind-blowing. There are 698 different translations of the Bible today. You must, as hard as it is, you have to honor the words in which they were originally written and then first translated, which is Greek. And if you, if you start with Hebrew, which it was first written and then translated into Greek, um, you, you kind of had to understand Hebrew a little bit. Now, I'm not, a, by any means, an expert in Hebrew or Greek. Um, I like Greek food. Uh, but I don't, that's about as far as my knowledge of Greek goes. Um, and, and as far as Hebrew goes, I don't know many people that are experts at really, truly understanding Hebrew, but it's really interesting as you read the Bible to stop. And when you think about a word and you think about your modern interpretation of it, things like fear to stop for a second and ask yourself a question, get curious, pick up a dictionary, Um, explore, you know, just use Google, use a search on the internet to see what that actually meant in Hebrew. Look at what it meant in Greek, right? Give it a little bit of time and thought. Don't just jump to the conclusion Um, because this, this, the Bible was, you know, crafted a long time ago and uh, some people can debate whether it's a, a relevant word, a relevant book today. But the whole idea is to truly unlock the, the Bible you really have to take time to translate it and, and it will kind of come to life and it becomes pretty interesting and multidimensional now i want to talk more about the translations because of the 698 different translations of the bible there are 450 english translations alone <laughs> and in the english language according to the oxford dictionary there are 171476 words Currently used in the English language. Oh, yeah, with an additional like 47,000 words that are obsolete. So we're looking, you know, upwards of 225,000 words in the English dictionary. How does that compare to Hebrew, Biblical Hebrew? How does that compare to Greek? The reason why I'm bringing this out is because it will draw an interesting point to how we translate words. But Greek. Uh, I think like 4 BC, from what I've been able to research and understand, there were 66,000 words. All right, you know, that's, that's a, a, a fair amount of words, you know, compared to modern English. <laughs> you know, it's, it's still just a fraction of it. But really, let's start to go back to Hebrew. I think the, the, the more interesting pieces back when we think about Hebrew in which the Bible was originally written. Hebrew is said to have about 33,000 words, so half, the, half of the Greek words, um, a very small portion of modern English. That's about 20% of the modern English language. Biblical Hebrew, however, has about 7,000 words, or 4% as compared to the English language. This is important to understand because the English language basically, right? I'm using some pretty big, broad strokes here when I'm describing this, but you get my point. Basically, the English language has a word for pretty much anything and multiple words for anything, right? That's, look at the synonym for fear. Like there's so many different words that actually mean fear or can kind of translate into fear. But Hebrew can actually have one word with multiple meanings. And some words, in, in, in fact, in Hebrew, have opposite meanings. That's very, very important because fear in this case doesn't necessarily translate to, to the, the, the fear that we know in our modern translation of the word. In fact, if you start to do some research, fear actually means to admire. One of the meanings is to admire. That's very different, right? And if you think about tough love, right? As I was mentioning earlier, I'm not going to go down that path today, but when you love somebody and you're trying to teach them, you don't just say yes all the time. You might say no. You might say things to teach, to mold, to craft, to guide, to direct, right? And so there's this idea that We have a loving God that we must fear, and that means we must admire. And we great, and we the admiration grows through having a relationship with God. And I think this is the really interesting thing about today's podcast is it's going to be pretty short, and that's by design. Um, and the whole reason is I want you to look at the word fear. I want you to. Then replace it with the word "admire." God, admire the Lord, and then what I want you to do in this next week, and you know, today, tomorrow, maybe you do it every day this week or every day, you know, depending until the next podcast, whatever it is, you find what you do, you you work you right. But the whole idea is: look at the word "admire." Think about how you admire people. Think about how you can admire God. Let me give you an example. Um, and, 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 and this kind of gives a little story of, of me as a child. When I was a kid, um, and if you could see me, you would say, gosh, I don't even know why you thought you could be a quarterback in the NFL <laughs> because I have a very narrow frame. I'm not big boned. Um, I am tall, but you know that's about it. Um, but as a child, I wanted to play football, specifically quarterback. And and so as I started to get into football, as I came into the age of like really getting the sports, um, Joe Montana, greatest quarterback of all time. Sorry, Tom Brady, um, was the quarterback for the 49ers. And I absolutely admired Joe Montana. And in my room as a child, I had pretty much every surface. Um, tastefully, because I <laughs> there is that, but pretty much every surface in my room had a Joe Montana poster, every variety of poster, um, from the advertisements that he did to the promotional stuff that the 49ers did and Super Bowl promotional stuff, um, et cetera. I really, truly admired Joe Montana. In fact, I studied film. I mean, this is crazy. I was, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, and I was studying film of, of Joe Montana as a child, learning how to throw, um, doing those certain things, and then I'd go in my backyard and try to mimic Joe Montana. Um, obviously, I didn't do too good of a job, um, <laughs> but I admired Joe Montana. Um, I followed him. I, you know, wanted to be like him, and I think that's interesting, right? None of us are probably going to go, um, you know, fill our rooms up, our bedrooms up with posters of God, you know, we might have a cross on the wall. We might, you know, wear a cross around our necks. We do those types of things. So we show admiration in different ways. But I, but I think there's something to the story about being a child and the way you show admiration. It's almost obsessive, at least it was for me. And I think, you know, there's a fine line, obviously, between being obsessed and, <laughs> and, and having a healthy admiration as well. And a healthy admiration means that you're truly trying to understand how to express admiration healthy in a healthy way, in a meaningful way. And I think that's the interesting thing. And that's what I'm asking you to do this week. I'm going to do the same thing. And then what I want to do is actually take this as part one of a two-part, maybe three-part podcast, uh, mini-series within the closer um, concept here. And so this week, white space here. You have a whiteboard. You just pick up your Bible, pick up a notepad, figure it out. But I want you to explore five ways in which you can admire God. And if you feel so inclined, you can email me, billy at listentocloser.com. I'm also on Instagram at listentocloser, Twitter, listentocloser. I also have a Facebook page, not really active on Facebook. But if you think about it, just like this episode, by the way, I, I, I failed to mention that. This episode was made possible because um, one of the listeners reached out to me and said, I'd really like to understand the fear of God a little bit more. What does it mean? And so that's why we're doing this. And now what I would love to do is have you figure out how you will admire God or how you can admire God. It doesn't have to be lengthy. And if you want to email me that, you can. If not, I'll jump into content and I'll share my experience next episode But that's this week's task. How can you admire God, right? So hopefully that helped. Hopefully this kind of gives a little bit of context, right, to the fear of God, fear of the Lord, and kind of breaks it down and makes it a little, uh, helps it make a little bit more sense, right? Um, That is episode three. Um, Trace, we are moving quickly here, and I appreciate everyone that listens. Thank you so much. For more closer, visit listen to closer.com or email billy at listen to